0: Box Sisters, hosted by Jessica C., Jessica Denise, and Linda.
1: This podcast is an intersectional discussion on all things sex, life, and everything
0: in between. As always, we're talking from our lived experience. If these topics bring anything up for you, we encourage you to talk to a professional. Happy listening! Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome to our soapbox, I guess, is what we're calling it right now. <laughs> soapbox. My name is Jessica Chapman, my pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I am a cis, hetero, female. And I'm Linda Carrillo, uh, my pronouns are also she, her, hers, and I am also a cisgender, heterosexual, female.
1: And my name is Jessica Denise Dixon, and... <laughs> My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm a cishet black woman. And we are very excited for this venture. Yeah, I didn't miss. Nice.
0: Sorry, we were doing middle names. Oh, yeah. I could have done a way longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two Jessicas, so that yes. might make it more confusing. Sure. So I think for this podcast, Linda's going to refer to me, Jessica Chapman, as Chapman. Yes. And then Jessica Dixon as, or excuse me, Jessica Denise. Denise, yes. <laughs> as Jessica. <laughs> I'm just going to say Jessica Denise like, Dixon every time I refer yes. to Yes. <laughs> JDD. JDD. That, that does work. That does work. So why are we doing this podcast? Why, why are the three of us feeling called to do this podcast? I should also point out since Jessica identified her race, I am white Mm -hmm. and um, I am Mexican. There you go. So why are we doing this? What has brought us to this space? Um, I guess I can go ahead and get started. Um, This is Linda. Uh, I think when Jessica Chapman first approached us about this uh, podcast opportunity, we were talking about just having a platform to talk about our own experiences in relation to, you know, whatever topic we're going to be talking about for the day, um, normalizing potentially some experiences for others. And I think I also want to fully acknowledge that, you know, I am Mexican, I am a cisgender, I'm a female, but I know that not all of my experiences will be and look like the exact same thing someone else is going through that might identify with um, the same race or the same gender or um, same sexuality. And so I think that, at least for me, it's an opportunity to hopefully normalize some experiences for others and um, potentially even um, just give some feedback about some of the... I know some of the topics are going to be a little bit heavier than others, but Mm. potentially like a space to... A safe space, right? And I I'm not entirely sure about how I feel about a safe space, but I feel like that's the term that we use the most to so just show that we want to be in support of others. So a supportive space for me. Well, I love that.
1: This is Jessica Denise. <laughs> <laughs> to be the ongoing one. Mm-hmm. And I'm here because I love sex. Okay. That's one reason that I'm here. <laughs> reasons are because i just really believe that we need to be able to talk openly and honestly about every aspect of our lives and sex is one that stays in the shadows and not because it's private but because there's shame associated with it and growing up christian There's a lot of shame that has been heaped upon this topic of sex. And we'll talk about more than sex, obviously, during our time. But um, for me, a big part of my journey has been reclaiming my sexuality, my sensuality, and dismantling old, antiquated thoughts, feelings, beliefs, ideas, and ideals about what sex is. Mm -hmm. And so being able to just talk about that openly and honestly, um, share the freedom that I have with people. I believe that when we come together in a group, we get to share the freedom that other people are expressing. And so if I can even give a little, um, a millimeter, an inch of that to anyone else, um, it would just, it would mean so much to me. So I'm excited for this journey together with these amazing women.
0: Yeah. So I think I'm here. I think. I know I'm here. This is Jessica Rose Chapman. We're using our middle name. Typically, if someone says Jessica Rose Chapman, it means I'm in trouble. But, you know, we can, whatever, brave space, safe space. <laughs> so I am here because many years ago, I felt really called to uh, share a space virtually, whether that was through social media or YouTube or what have you or podcast to share the information that I've learned over the last 10 plus years about sex, sexuality, uh, gender, sexual orientation, all of the things that I have in my professional life, learned so much about and realized in conversation with my friends and my family, how little we know about our own bodies. And I include myself in that. Um, and so I i knew that I didn't want to do the podcast by myself. I tend to, as most people, I think would agree, work Veteran community, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, sharing experiences and stuff is not limited to me and my whiteness and the way that I experience my body. Um, and so, I I really wanted to have a conversation and open dialect with women from different backgrounds who, but also that we have a lot in common with. So, what's interesting is that both Jessica and Linda have shared that they grew up Christian. So mm-hmm. did I. And with that comes beautiful, positive things, but also specifically in relation to sex, some really not so great things Mm -hmm. and a lack of understanding because sex and by extension our bodies are often uh, thought of as taboo in the sort of Christian world. Um, So hopefully that resonates with this audience. And again, just kind of reiterating what Linda said, which is, I'm only speaking from my experience and from the education that I have received, um, not from, I'm not saying all (laughs) blonde white girls like me have the same experience or that all women have the same experience as, as I do, but rather we're just using this platform as a space to, to share and to inform, um, and to like have fun too, you know, this is not our full time job. So.
1: And I think that when we start to share and we come together, there's always something that connects us and Mm -hmm. it's our humanity. Yes. And, you know, whether someone is asexual or, you know, polyamorous or whatever the case may be, um, we can all still glean something from Mm -hmm. just being present to our humanity. And allowing for multiple expressions and for things to change within us, you know, like we are not static, we're not stuck ever. Mm -hmm. And I think that being able to have open dialogues is something that allows us to um, become more of who we are in whatever way
0: that needs to happen in the time. Yeah, I agree. So come with us on this journey, on this soapbox, as we talk about all things sex and uh, life and everything in between. And we're really glad you could join us, and we look forward to hearing your feedback and just beginning this journey. Did we want to get into our first topic? Yeah, sure. let's do it. Okay, so well jessica rose chapman Uh (laughs) brings up
1: her very organized and meticulous um (laughs) list of items
0: and we joke about it but i really do appreciate that (laughs) i really do appreciate the structure and the feedback but um our hope for today is to talk a little bit about pleasure um and just our experiences um, when it comes to pleasure and sex, um, maybe even a little bit of information and education about pleasure. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. All right. So today's topic is pleasure. I like to say it with a sexy voice. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> pleasure. Oh la la. Pleasure, a noun, a feeling of happy satisfaction and enjoyment. I feel like I sound like Siri. (laughs) I'm (laughs) sorry. I did not hear you. Um, Adjective of pleasure is used or intended for entertainment rather than business. Or if you use pleasure as a verb, to give sexual enjoyment or satisfaction to. And when I was looking at pleasure and the definition, um, there was also like a little sort of like asterisk around that it originated from the Roman goddess, Voluptus, which I thought was really cool. Because mm-hmm. then it made me start thinking about like voluptuous. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, when, when I think voluptuous, I think like pleasure and sex and just this sort of beautiful expression of femininity. Right? Like the roundness and the softness. And the, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So, in Roman uh, mythology, Voluptius is the daughter uh, from the union of Cupid and Psyche, which is also really interesting, too, if you think about it. So, Cupid is, like, classically known as, like, love, Love, right? And then Psyche, to me, sounds like the god or goddess, I don't know, of, of like, thought and, like, mental, right? And so, that kind of union is... That's cool, right? I kind of love it because when you think about, like, the
1: heart and the mind connecting, mm-hmm. but, like, pleasure living in the body, mm-hmm. it's, like, this mm-hmm. three-pronged, like, just beautiful. That's a really good interwoven. <laughs> a really good I love it. <laughs> yes.
0: So, yeah. Voluptious, or Volupta, depending on how um, she sort of comes out in different, and I'm assuming I've given her, oh, no, it does say the daughter born. I was like, I'm giving her a gender pronoun, but it says goddess. Um, So, it says she's often found in the company of Gratiae, or the Three Graces, and she's known as the goddess of sensual pleasures, um, or delight, Mm. so, yeah, sexy, right? I love it. I kind of want to see a cartoon of her, like, maybe even just like a, I'm a very visual person. Yeah, yeah, I'm already (laughs) picturing her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want someone to paint a picture for me. (laughs) So let's get into, I'm going to, you know, we, we obviously, this is a discussion, right? So I want to, want to be mindful of that, but I also wanted to spend some time just kind of sharing a little bit about the history of pleasure. And when I talk about pleasure in this context, I'm talking about sex. Um, so the history of sexual, female, and male pleasure, there's been a bit of a binary. And for those of you that don't know what a binary means or You're not as familiar with it. In this context, when I say a binary, it means this or that, basically. Like, um, there's, like, two kind of ways of existing. But obviously, as we know, like, there are multiple ways of existing. But the binary was created back in ancient Roman and Greek times. Um, And so there's this idea, I don't know, have either one of you watched, like, Vikings or those, like, sexy Netflix series <laughs> and it's like in ancient Greece or Rome or whatever. Just me? Yeah. I
1: am <laughs> not I admittedly have not. All
0: right, all right. Well, there's this sort of like depiction on, like, if you like to watch history stuff like I do, love me some historical fiction. Um, <laughs> it does not sound like you were watching historical, like, documentary. <laughs> I mean, it's not a documentary. <laughs> that <was the> <laughs> I mean, there's maybe some history in it. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, it's sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so starting with this idea of the, the binary or the history of sexual, female, and male pleasure. In ancient Greece, there was this sort of practice called hedonism, and it's the belief that pleasure or happiness is the highest good in life. And some hedonists have insisted that pleasure of the entire mind, not just pleasure of the senses, is the highest good, a general devotion to the pursuit of pleasure. So there used to be temples in ancient Greece that were just dedicated to this like sort of hedonistic um, belief or this hedonistic religion obviously it existed simultaneously with a million other different religions and a million other different ways to to practice um greek mythology but this was one of them and then you move on to aristotle um and aristotle was a roman philosopher i have not fact checked that but i think that's right (laughs) or greek actually he was greek let's i think he was greek Sorry for those of you who are like really into <laughs> So we're like was- asterisk, right? Asterisk. we're not here to teach about history. So, right. you know, as much as I'd like to, yeah, caution, caution sign here. Yeah, make sure you go and check that. Yeah, on fact check, fact check. Yeah, that's so Aristotle, Aristotle wrote this. Aristotle was a philosopher, and he wrote a lot of different, you know, pieces in which he kind of set out how the world should look does look according to his philosophy and so aristotle actually spent and if you ever take like a feminist theory 101 course you're probably going to come across this piece of work which is called politics and aristotle was kind of the first one in that era to define the roles of women and men and i should mention that era is more like the western history Mm. um my my partner is turkish and those cultures also equally have a rich history of this sort of stuff. But in our Western world, we sort of have equated the Greeks and the Romans as being part of Western history. Um, But I'm sure that the Egyptians, I know the Egyptians and all of the other, you know, major (coughs) cultural centers were talking about the same sort of stuff. But anyways, Aristotle sort of set out this idea of what it is to the roles of women and men. And more specifically, that women have to inhibit the private world and only men belong in the public world. So we're creating this binary already, right, before centuries before Christ. Um, Aristotle believed that women were inferior to women. For example, in his work, Politics, Aristotle states, as regards to the sexes, the male is the nature superior, and the female inferior, the male ruler, and the female subject. So you're you're starting to like create this binary already. Why am I bringing this up? Because in the 20th century, the early 20th century, Papa Freud, <laughs> aka Sigmund Freud, see Papa Siggy, um, he had a lot of thoughts on sexuality, as some of you are aware. A lot of uh, just a lot. A lot of- He believed that the clitoris was uh, a subordinate penis. He believed that women must abandon clitoral pleasure because the clitoris is inherently masculine. The alleged masculinity of the clitoris is linked to Freud's idea that the female psyche is deeply affected by the castration complex. Have you guys heard of that? No, no say so more, say more, <laughs> right? right. So, so, again, we're just, shaking
1: our heads yeah. just with your I need to hear more about yeah,
0: this. <laughs> so the castration complex emerges in the female mind when she, this is what Freud says, when she realizes that she lacks a key feature of the male body, i.e. the penis. I'm 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 right about it. Recognition <laughs> of this lack or absence expresses itself as what Freud infamously termed as Penis envy.
1: Oh, that's yes, where I came, for that, for wow. that came from.
0: Thank you, Google.
1: So. <laughs> Not one time have I ever been in my entire life, but.
0: with the exception of the whole standing up to be able to oh, use a restroom right. situation, yeah. only because of convenience, but never for anything else related to pleasure. Yeah, I don't think I've ever wanted a penis, except for that. And right, then also, right. like, when I remember when I was younger, I used to, like, try to, like, figure out how I could stand up and pee. And I just inevitably wound up just having peed on my leg. <laughs> yes. Right? So, as one does. As like one does. when one <laughs> tries to put up that who owns a whole um, Yeah. So, penis envy is from Papa Freud. Thanks, dude. Of course it is. Um, in this model of thought, the male body is the reference point for female sexuality. Freud conceived of the clitoris as a, quote, small penis that does not grow any bigger. It is, in his words, homologous to the penis. Mm -hmm. Homologous maybe, but inherently inferior nevertheless. Hence his assertions that the mature feminine woman ultimately abandons the clitoris, as the nucleus of her sexual pleasure. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. As the nucleus of her sexual pleasure. This is definitely a mouthful. Yeah. He wrote that the elimination of pletural sexuality is a necessary precondition for the development of femininity since it is immature and masculine in nature. See, I was... sidebar but not a sideboard. No. I was just talking to somebody yesterday about how... it Just... I, I don't know if I'm just tired of listening to like white men tell me about <laughs> <laughs> yes and, <laughs> and <laughs> anything and everything about like myself and my body and it's just really funny that this is where this conversation is kind of like forming in terms of like who's the one that's you know kind of creating the basis for mm-hmm. pleasure and how that relates to females and it's like you know i'm not you know the, the it's not like I wrote a thesis, right, of, like, on just old white men and, and their impact, but it's just the more and more, like, so different types of topics come up, the more and more I realize, like, okay, there's a pattern here, and I'm not really a fan of who's setting the expectations and the standards for mm-hmm. um, anything and everything that I feel like kind of constricts us as women and puts us into, like, certain boxes and certain things that we should and shouldn't be, right? But, yeah. All right, that's my sidebar. No, I mean, but I think that's that's totally relevant, and I think that's actually, like, a really good sort of, like, connection, right, is that, like, Freud was writing this around the turn of the last century during, like, sort of Victorian era, Mm -hmm. and we have inherited a lot of that sort of, at least we in the Western world have, have sort of inherited that internalization culturally of you know, Victorianism and being lesser than right. not just as human existence people like Aristotle said, but that our bodies are literally inferior to men. Yeah. No wonder we don't experience pleasure or yeah. haven't experienced pleasure the way that men do. Yeah. It's not a priority. Right. And it never has been in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And for me growing up Christian and having to deal
1: with purity culture, which I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> what your relationship, yep. that is. Yeah. <laughs> There, there was an over-focusing on women and making sure that we were not some kind of whore or temptress right, right, right. to men. And men having little to no responsibility for the ways that they show up and the power yeah. that they held. Yeah. And so, you know, purity culture says, like, you know, women. Women, you are broken if you have sex. Women, you are... Right. And there's a little bit of that with men, but I have also heard the like analogy of like it's like when you dip a popsicle in water Mm. for men, it just washes off. But for but it completely taints the water. Yeah, I know. (laughs) We got some eye rolls. Yeah, over here. (laughs) It's not on video. Yeah,
0: I've never actually heard that analogy. Yeah. Yeah, there are
1: some really really vile, gross things that have been said about you know women and mm. our, and our bodies and it's so funny to me because it's like there's this idea that women are inferior yeah. right. or less powerful but all the power that we hold mm. you know to cause men to quote
0: stumble responsibility. or responsibility all the responsibility <laughs> that is placed on us responsibility i think women bear yeah i i I say this a lot and i I think i heard this in one of my classes that i was taking a million years ago but that women often bear the brunt of culture right and so like we we hold the key to purity we hold the key to uh law and order somehow by our the way that our hair looks right or like the presence of our hair or you know the 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 vulvas that we have the children that we bear like And yet we're lesser than. Yeah, but we're still lesser than. It's like we are the carriers of it, but we're less than that. Yeah. The fuck? Yeah. 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 So, obviously, so we're talking about pleasure, right? So, all of that, right? There's this binary, it's created millennia ago. And really, like, the way that Western culture kind of understood for a super long time about, you know, sexuality was through Freud, right? And his theories. Because, by the way, I don't, to my knowledge, like, I don't think he, like, was, like, masters in whatever, those people that discovered, like, sex, like, the different plateaus of pleasure. Mm-hmm. It's called, like, meth. I forget their names. But anyway, um, he just, this is just, like, he was just sitting in his armchair smoking some pipes, you know? Like, and theorizing. running some interesting experiments. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. that's all I remember. Yeah. My also awesome million years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that all
1: white men have ever needed to oh, do? No,
0: yeah. Just like exist and speak. Everyone's yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. out. <So>, yep. Yep. <laughs> what he says is truth. Publish it. Show a million videos. <laughs> so speaking of the clitoris, because this is where women often experience the most sexual pleasure. Not all women, and you know, depending on how you define your your genitalia this can be applicable to you or not. But for those of us that do have a clitoris, um, it was once thought of as an underdeveloped penis or undeveloped penis. Um, And actually when you sex a baby, right? So before 12 weeks, um, a fetus is actually uh, the same gender. So the body parts are start from the same place. Mm-hmm. And then at that 12-week mark is when you can start seeing potentially the creation of a penis or a vulva. Mm-hmm. So basically, the penis and the and the clitoris, they start as the same thing. It's called homology. And so people often wonder, well, um, why do guys have uh, nipples if they don't need to use them? And apparently, it's because our genes are just super lazy, and they can't be bothered. So we all start the same. Homology says we all start the same. And then, around 12 weeks in utero, typically, unless you're intersex, those genitalia kind of develop into a penis or uh, vagina, or, yeah, or vulva. Um, so if you want to read more about this, super, super fascinating, um, read the book called Come As You Are by Dr. Emily Nagowski. Her first two chapters, she's just talking about this idea of homogeneity. It's, it's really, really interesting. But anyway, so the clitoris, the first comprehensive anatomical study of the clitoris was led by a woman by the last name of O'Connell, and it was in a published paper in guess what year, Movies. I cheated. so I already saw. Oh yeah, I mean, guess, guess what year, Jessica? Um, seventy-eight. Nope. Later. Later than nineteen seventy-eight.
1: Keep going. No,
0: you have to be kidding. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, that? no. I, actually I mean, use. that was just a few
1: years after women could get their own credit card in the game. Yep. yep. Eighty-five.
0: Nope. Higher. Keep Keep later, yes. Like nineties. Yeah. yeah. No. Nineteen ninety-eight. Was when the first I anatomical study of the clitoris, <laughs> I was About 10 years of age, child. when the anatomical study of the clitoris, so we knew of the clitoris before then. In 1559, there was like a paper that was published or whatever that like was like, this is the clitoris, right? And a man named it the clitoris, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, we didn't, we knew what it was, right? And Freud knew what it was because he said it was a little mini penis and we we're all penis right, human. right. right. But we but no one ever actually, like, studied it. Correct. No one <laughs> studied no. it to understand it until, until 98 we we were
1: Well, why were... would they? Because they already knew that it was just a it little... It was a little
0: baby penis. Right, right, yeah. right, Um. So, a subsequent study in 2005 examined it under an MRI. In 2000, five. And see, was I was in like, high school. I want to know when the first, like, penis MRI was done. Like, for comparison purposes, right? <laughs> Like I just, <laughs> it sounds terrible. Penis MRI? Well, I mean, they in your face. They you know? did.
1: They did not with a with a vulva. Like now, I want
0: to know for comparison purposes. Like, yeah, who did the first penis MRI? and What did they feel? You know, like, oh, yeah. oh so what's up? Feel <laughs> that. Well, well, first of all, MRI technology has only been around for the last like what thirty plus years, maybe more. I don't know. So it probably wasn't that much. Like it's probably around that same time, huh? But, like, the actual research right, of like, right. still Still for sure started with yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, we didn't understand that the, the clitoris actually is, like, very complicated. And it's not just a mini penis. <laughs> um, not even and close. And it's <laughs> also, like, super <laughs> freaking amazing. And there are cultures that actually take that pleasure away from people. Yeah. This is known as female genital cutting or female genital mutilation. I have a lot of friends who are from sub-Saharan Africa that have a lot of opinions about this. And I won't get into it because I am not from sub-Saharan Africa and can't speak um, on behalf of that. But it's interesting that people literally cut those things off so that females do not experience pleasure at all. Um, And some would argue that if you remove the foreskin, it's the same kind of idea. Um I don't have enough medical information to say this whether or not is that's my true of my expertise. Yeah. But I would say that I don't think it's the same as equating to literally slicing someone's clitoris off. Um This is so, an ethical trigger warning. Yeah, trigger warning, <laughs> by the way. Okay, so where is the clitoris? Do y'all know where the clitoris is? Uh, I feel like I'm talking a lot as well so... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, teach. come on. Teacher teach, teach us. So um, the clitoris is the pleasure center of the vulva. And the reason why I'm saying vulva and not vagina, for those of you who don't know, the vulva is all of the genitalia of a biological female. The vagina is actually uh, the inside, right? And you can see it when you go spread eagle, right? But that vagina is part of the vulva. The vulva is like, The labia majora, the labia minora, the clitoris, the vagina, like everything, right? So the vulva is the outside. So when we talk about the vulva, we're not talking about a car from Sweden. It's... it's, it's, (laughs) (laughs) That took me, like, two seconds. I love that. Thank you. We're not talking about a car from Sweden. We're talking about (laughs) your lady (laughs) (laughs) parts. Um, so, <laughs> the vulva, I'm sorry, no. the clitoris is right under the point where the inner labia meet and form a little hood, known as the clitoral hood. It's on top of or in front of, depending on which angle you're looking at it, the vagina and the urethra, the pee hole, if, if you will. Um, what what you're very educated. I yes, will, I will. To very, <laughs> if you will, to okay. very straightforward, yes. real quick. A pee hole. actually just the tip of the clitoris. Fun fact about the clitoris, the rest of it is a spongy shaft similar to the penis and divides in two legs that reach out more than five inches on either side of the body. So we know that because an MRI was taken in 2005. Before then, we did not know. And a lot of people think that even if you're having vaginal sex or penetrative sex, it's actually the legs of the clitoris that are getting stimulated that cause the orgasm. So vaginal orgasm can happen when the clitoral legs are being stimulated during penetration. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so so the, why do so
1: few women have vaginal orgasms? Yeah.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. Because they're not having good. Intercourse, (laughs) right? Or intercourse that's aimed to be able to have them achieve pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so there, there's like so much evidence and studies around this, especially in recent recent times. Obviously, some people think that females, female-bodied people, can only experience orgasm when the clitoris is involved. But then other other females say that's not necessarily true, right? That they do achieve orgasm s- solely through vaginal penetration. So, you know, it's sort of like two rules of thought. We don't really know for sure mm-hmm. if if vaginal orgasm is 100% possible without the clitoris. But a lot of scientists are saying, well, the clitoris is still involved because it's it's kind of like down there. In the weeds getting stimulated a little bit by potentially the penis or whatever it is that's touching those two legs hmm. and in the show notes i can put a little like the mri image of, of the entire nice. as well yeah. so this is like the g-spot right and so that leads into the g-spot where is the g-spot what is it what is it and is it generic for every single female body person and the answer is no it's not it never is because right. with female body people it's always complicated, um, and so some people think the G spot might actually be related to the legs of the clitoris. Qu- so again, the the clitoris is huge. It's so important. It has eight thousand sensory nerve endings, more than the penis, the head of the penis, um, and some people, like I said, primarily orgasm through clitoral stimulation, um, but others. You know, everybody can speak for themselves on that one. So, yeah. So that's the information I have about mm-hmm. the, the long history about female sexual pleasure and what even is pleasure. Right. And then I have some, some questions for you all. Yeah. 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 We have, okay. We have answers. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we experience, like, how do you all experience pleasure that isn't sexual? Right, because pleasure is more than just intercourse or Mm -hmm. masturbation or whatever.
1: Right. Yeah, I think when it's in relation to sex. Because my immediate actually went to food.
0: And that's part one of our pleasure episode. Stay tuned for part two where we talk about pleasure and some of our own experiences. Thanks, everybody, for listening.